all of you today. Hope that uh, you're enjoying this nice weather. Let me see if I can get... There we go. Good. It is good for you to be here, and it is good for all of us to be together. If you haven't received a bulletin, please look for one on the way out. There are a number of upcoming events that are going to be especially important. There's a work day at um, Debbie Schweppes House on March 12th. There's a barbecue coming, and uh, you don't want to miss that. And then there'll be a Spanish uh, ladies seminar on April 4th. And so there's more details. You can go to our website, Sunset. Miami.org uh, to uh, to find any of that information if you'd like, and uh, uh, it'll also be here in the bulletin. Um, I appreciate Paul covering Paul Schwepp for covering me last Sunday. Uh, I was with the the church in Coral Springs. Sunset uh, supports Coral Springs in in their ministry, and uh, and one of the things that I particularly enjoyed was seeing five faces that I did not recognize. Uh, whenever, uh, as a church planter or missionary, you, you visit a church and there's people you don't know, that's a good sign. And uh, and so there were five individuals that have begun attending the congregation since our last visit, and uh, that was exciting news. We had lunch with um, uh, some of the church planters, Mauricio and Kayla, and their two children uh, in their home, and uh, got to hear some of the, the works and the work that they are doing. And so um, uh, it was good to be there, and I appreciate Paul covering so that I could... Uh, do that. Um, when when you think about the word temptation, what comes to mind? For some of you who like chocolate, it might be that chocolate called <laughs> temptation. It, it might be a TV show. I don't know if you would watch it. I have never seen it, but I've seen an ad for it, I think, once or twice. I think it's called something like Temptation Island. It's not an island I would want to visit uh, for a number of different reasons. Um Temptation is generally something that we really want, but we can't have, that's somehow prohibited. And for some reason, a lot of it has to do with food, right? Certain foods that we would really like to eat, that third bowl of ice cream, uh, that additional dessert, but it's like I don't need to and I shouldn't, and so it's just kind of an issue. Now, certain kinds of things, temptation is definitely very unique to each person, uh, for example, um, I am never, never have been, and, and I don't know if I, sh- I, I can say never will be for the rest of my life, but I can pretty much today say this with full assurance, I will never be tempted to eat liver. Um, that's just not a temptation. I know some people love liver, and they keep telling me, if you try it the way my mama used to do it, or you try it the way this place, and I said, no, I don't even want to try. There's nothing inside of me that says, ooh, I can't wait to get me that third piece of liver. Um, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So temptations are very unique and individual to each kind of each person, right? Um, but we all face them. Every single one of us today already has faced, and if not, then you will face temptation at some level. And the challenges that we have is what do we do with it? A recent Barna survey uh, suggests that when, when people were asked to report, self-report temptations that they felt, 60% of Americans said that their temptation, num- their primary temptation was anxiety or worry. They worried about things that were going to in the future. Um, one of the latest things to worry about is the coronavirus. And so you'll see a number of people here uh, bumping fists rather than shaking hands. And, uh, and that might minimize a little bit of the concern. Um, the number one 
way to deal with the coronavirus is not by buying the fanciest gas mask you can. It's simply washing your hands. So do that regularly. Uh, not right now, but do that after the service. Um, 60% of Americans also struggle with procrastination. And many of them wanted to answer the question after the survey was over, but they said, no, 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 you have to answer it right now. Uh, 55% of Americans eat too much. 45% of Americans overuse electronics and social media, such as Facebook, video games, TV. And then 41% of Americans, laziness or not working as hard as reasonably expected in their occupations is a significant temptation. Now, What's striking to me on that list, nobody ever even suggested that sexual sins or sexual desires was a temptation, uh, nor did they uh, rec- or, nor did they recognize the, the the temptation to cheat, lie, or steal. So what that tells me is either everybody's doing it and it's just normal, <laughs> or uh, they're just lying and uh, cheating on this survey when they're supposed to be reporting about what their temptations are. Well, the text for today comes from Matthew chapter 4, so you can be looking for that in your Bibles. Uh, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. We're going to have it on the screen in just a second. And we're going to be reading through a narrative where the person that we would least expect to have to deal with temptation is subjected not only to one, but to three different temptations, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to be tempted On the one hand, it's a very familiar text. On the other hand, it might be new to you. And so we want to read through it, walk through it, unpack some stuff, and then uh, make some observations about what is really going on. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 begins. This was immediately following Jesus' baptism. This was immediately following the heavens being opened and the, the voice from the heavens coming down saying, You are my beloved Son. Then... The next thing is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness or the desert, as it's commonly referred to, to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and then became very hungry, which in biblical terms would be like a major understatement, right? He became very hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these bones to become loaves of bread. Now, in Greek, the anytime you have an if situation, if then, um, you could translate that since. Since you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. After 40 days of not eating, this might have been an attractive uh, situation for Jesus. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if or since you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, this is the devil quoting scripture, He will order, God will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if 
you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus said to him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Well, this is a familiar situation for many of us who have been around church for a while, who have been reading the Bible. But even for us, certain things continue just to jump out at me and and just cause me to pause for just a second. And the very first line is one of those. The Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, to the desert to be tempted. The Spirit did that? Why would the Spirit be setting Jesus up to be tempted? Because we feel temptation is a bad thing. So why would Jesus be put in that situation? And, you know, in just a few chapters, in uh, chapter 6, Jesus is going to say, when you pray, you should say, lead us not into temptation. And who is he talking to? We're talking to God. Say, God, whatever you do, don't lead us into the wilderness to be tempted. And yet Jesus is led by the Spirit into this very place. Well, one of the things that helps us understand this a little bit is to know that the Greek word for temptation can also be translated testing. Tempted and tried. Tested and tried. Tempted and tested. Those are the two concepts that are kind of like flip sides of the same coin. The difference is the perspective and who's doing it, and sometimes it's the very same thing. A temptation might be Satan's attempt to try and bring us down. A test is God's attempt to allow us to demonstrate our faith and to grow in our relationship with him. Sometimes it's the very same moment. So while Jesus was being tempted by Satan, he was also being tested by God. Testing is not a bad thing. Tempting is this is Satan's desire to make us fall. Temptation. Uh, uh, <laughs> did I get mixed up? Temptation is the desire to, of Satan to make us fall and testing a desire of God to let us shine. A temptation in the hands of Satan becomes a test in the hands of God. Now, the other thing that strikes out at me is Jesus was led by the Spirit, but then after that, it doesn't seem that God is there. We don't see any mention until the angels come at the end of this story of any kind of uh, 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 spiritual presence. The desert in biblical times was not like this flat place of sand, but rather it was a place where no one could really live. The weather was rough, the terrain was rough, wild animals were there, and then, yes, demons. And for 40 days, Jesus is there, but we wonder, why didn't God make him food? Because 40 days, that and a desert or a wilderness makes us think, yeah, the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years, and when they were hungry, God made manna. And then when they needed meat, God provided quail. And when they needed water, God provided water in a spring. So so it's striking that Jesus goes 40 days in the desert without God jumping in and giving him a hand. Well, 
one of the things that will help us unpack is this first, uh, uh, this first temptation. Because it's kind of the key to help understand everything else that's going on. Desert or wilderness, 40 days, temptation or testing. The quotations that Jesus makes of scripture all come from Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 8. All of those point us back to when Israel was in the desert being tested by God. After they came up from slavery, before they go to the promised land, they are in the desert. And scripture says that God led them to the desert to train Israel as a son or as a child. And so one of the lessons that the Israelites were to have learned in those years in the desert was that nobody lives by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. But how did the Israelites get the bread? How did the Israelites get the water? How did the Israelites get the quail that sustained them? Scripture says God gave it, but they complained. They grumbled. They murmured. They said things like, ah, oh, we should have stayed in Egypt. It was better. They had better food in Egypt. The, the buffets and everything that they had were better in Egypt. And as a response to their complaining, they didn't trust God to provide it when they needed it. They complained and then God provide. And so Jesus is saying the proper response for a child of God as he or she or we go through desert or wilderness experience is to stress that God knows what we need. Now, there's a difference between praying and complaining, even though sometimes our prayers might sound like complaints. But there's a difference asking God to truly do his will from God, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you shown up? When? And, and, and we see this in the second temptation. Now, the spirit led Jesus to the desert, but for the second and third temptation, it's the devil who's leading Jesus. And the first place that the devil leads Jesus is to the top of the temple, the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, that's significant because that mountain was a very, very special mountain. In Memphis, we lived right around the corner from a pretty major thoroughfare that was called Mount Moriah. This mountain where Jerusalem sits was Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah was important because that was the mountain that Abraham went up with his son Isaac. And that was the mountain where, instead of sacrificing his, his son, God provided an animal for the sacrifice and then Abraham declared, this mountain shall be called the place where God provides. The Lord will provide. And so now Jesus is on Mount Moriah at the top of the temple. You know, it's one thing to expect God to bail us out when we're out there. It's a whole different thing to expect that he's going to be present and available to us here at church. 
in the temple in relationship with him. And so the devil is pushing Jesus just a little bit further. And he's saying, yeah, okay, you, you, you passed that test out in the desert, but let's see how you do here at the temple. And the complaint that the Israelites had about the food and the water wasn't really directed at Moses. It was directed at God. And their basic complaint was, God, where are you? Are you here with us? And the way Satan gets into this is he starts digging at that. Well, since you're God's son, he should take care of you, right? He promised he would. Scripture says you're fond of quoting scripture, Jesus. Doesn't scripture say he's going to take care of you? If you were to fall, you're not even going to hit the ground. It's one thing to say you trust God's word. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's see what happens when you jump. Is God among you or not? And the lesson that Israel should have learned in the desert, at the place of testing which was called Massah, where they should have trusted God, they failed. Jesus passes the test, and his response is, you shouldn't be putting God to the test. No one who puts God to the test is going to end up well. The third temptation is a little bit more straightforward on top of a mountain, all the kingdoms of the world. But this is one of those tit for tat kind of things. You worship me and I'll give you this, because that's kind of how Satan works. And he thought, well, that's how God is going to work, too. You worship God and you get all this good stuff. You worship God and he's going to protect you. You, you. you do the things that God wants and then you're clear. And yet God does not ask for our worship. He is worthy of our worship. And he's the one who served because of that. After these three temptations, Jesus says, okay, that's it. Uh, out of here. You're gone. You're done. Luke tells us that he left him for a little while. And I think Jesus was aware that that presence of the evil one was going to exist all of his life. And even on the cross, one of the accusations that was made was, if you're the son of God, come down, save yourself and save everyone else. And we hear these same words of Satan again. If you are the son of God, then you should act in a way where God provides everything that you want. I I don't know how you deal with the absence of God in your life. When you feel like God's not there, when you feel like God's not paying attention, when you're going through a situation where you feel like God should rescue you and deal with it, and it just seems that he's not there, Many of us take matters into our own hands. Well, someone's got to do it. And surely this can't be that bad. The three temptations of Jesus are very unique to him. But on the other hand, they're very universal to all of us. Because the three temptations really had one focus and every temptation we face also has a similar focus. 
to distract us from God, to doubt his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his provision, and then encourage us to take action on our own because you just can't wait forever. And that's what Satan was trying to get Jesus to do, to use his power as God's son to deal with the situations that he was going through in life, to put himself in a situation where he would require God's rescue. And that's very much the challenge and the temptation for us. Most temptations are for things that in and of themselves are relatively wholesome and normal. Foods, some drinks, relationships, sexual activity, uh, uh, advancement in our jobs. A lot of those things are all a part of what is normal life for adults on this earth. But waiting for the proper time and waiting for the moment when those things could and should be ours is often challenging. And and what I want to share with you are three things to keep in mind the next time that you're tempted, but overall just about temptation in general. And the first is where Jesus ends. That's with a statement and an attitude that the Bible repeats on two different occasions, resist the devil. Resist the devil. James says, resist the devil and he will flee. And Peter says, resist him because he's like a roaring lion, but don't be afraid. Resist him. And so the way that one of the ways, other than just coming right out and saying it, one of the ways that we can resist him is to look beyond the temptation to the lie that's behind it. The temptation is what we see on the surface. There's something behind that temptation. And that's the challenge. That's how we resist by zeroing down, drilling down on what that is. Don't believe the lie that's behind the temptation. If I'm in a relationship with someone, the need might be to believe the lie that if I really love them or if they really love me, then we're going to engage in these practices. That's the lie. If I don't do this, then they won't love me. Perhaps the lie is that unless you do these things in certain ways, you will not be appreciated. You will not be loved. You won't feel the satisfaction of who you are and what you're doing. Let me give you an example, and and I'm going to try and um, not tarnish my reputation before you as your minister. Um, I I don't want you to think any less of me uh, from what I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm going to use the example of speeding, okay? That, that's something that I am tempted to do on a regular basis. And so the next time you see me speeding, I want you to understand what's going on in my mind so that you'll have a better understanding of me. 
So one of the comments I hear frequently when when my dearly loved wife is sitting next to me in the in the front seat is, Jim, it's not a race. Okay. And my response is, yeah, it is. (laughs) Now, I need to speed because it's a race. I need to win. Okay. What's the lie behind that? If I lose, I'm not worth as much as I thought I was. Because, see, I've lived for a lot of years believing that I really didn't have much value. And so to lose to the guy next to me, even though totally or the lady next, totally unknown, makes no rational sense. Means that I'm not as good as them. And my fragile ego might not be able to handle it. So the way I overcome that and the way I buy into the lie is to say, I'm going to win. But that's not the only reason I speed. Another reason is, is because I don't want to be late. Yeah. Now, what's so bad about being late? For a lot of people, being late doesn't matter. And I won't even make any snarky comments about people who come in late to church. Not even going to make those snarky comments. For me me personally, and I'm just speaking for me, being late is a failure. It's a character flaw. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to be at the meeting at 9. And if I come in at 9.15, then I'm not the person I'm supposed to be. And so I can't be late. I might break 10 speeding laws or traffic laws in order to make it on time so that I can be perceived as a good person. Doesn't make sense. None of this is rational. I'm not saying that uh, this is a rational process of thinking. I'm just telling you, those are some of the things that are behind the speed. Now, there's a third, and this isn't as important, especially since there's a police officer present, um, is the need to obey the law. Well, I know better than them. They say it's safe to go 40. I I know how to handle my car. I know how to handle the situation around me. I can do much faster than that and still drive safely. That's the lie. I'm in control. I can do it. I have the ability. So in each of those cases, the temptation is, in this case, to speed. The lie behind it is different. So people who... um, uh, uh, look like they're in excellent shape and who spend all of their time in the gym. There might be a lie behind even something that would be as healthy as that. I'm afraid that people won't love me if I look like X. Or I used to be this and people made fun of me and so now I'm going to make sure they have no possibility ever. Or when I go back to my high school reunion, I'm going to show them. Or when I post this picture on Instagram, then I'm going to this. All of that is being fed by a lie that's behind whatever the action is. And that affects our habits. 
that affects our relationships, that affects our relationship with God. Resist the devil. Look beyond the temptation to interact and reject the lie that's behind that temptation, whatever it is, whether it's perfectionism, whether it's rule keeping, whether it's the desire to advance yourself in some way, whatever the temptation is that you're struggling with. The last thing is remember scripture. Every time Jesus was confronted, he responded with scripture. And if our fear is that God has left us alone, Matthew has already told us that Jesus' name from heaven is Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And at the last chapter of Matthew, as the last parting words of Jesus as he goes into heaven, he says, I will be with you always. Emmanuel. I will be with you always. So the fear that I'm in this by myself is unfounded. God is always present, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I will be with you. Remember those scriptures. Remember God's presence. And hopefully, whenever you face temptation, you don't have to do it alone. You can call, you can text, you can write, you can do whatever you need to. Stop by the office and just ask for someone to pray with you. Whenever you feel that tug, resist the devil. Don't believe the lie that's behind the temptation. And remember the scriptures that God is always with us. We would love to pray with you and for you. If we can do so, please make your way to the front as we stand and sing. God bless you.